Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. For all you elk hunters out there, Chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to SteelDealers.com. Now... Here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A Utah teen is facing charges for taping fish to ATMs in the city of Provo. Why would a 17-year-old spend time duct-taping trout, panfish, and other species to ATMs in what is usually a clean and, let's call it a crime-light city? Well, for the clicks, bro. Obviously. This is going to make a six shot, and it'll be cool. Six shot? Six shot. Yeah, I like six shot. For the ground. For the tube. For the the ground? The youngster documented his antics on the Instagram account FishBandit84, which as of this recording had 71,000 followers. The short videos feature music, a clever caption, and a fish taped to various objects, including ATMs, police cars, and the doors of bathroom stalls. And the fish aren't always dead. The fish's mouths are moving in some of the videos, and others show the fish smoking a lit cigarette. Probably not by choice. The post from the bathroom stall uses the caption, Bass in the Pro Shops, which makes me wonder whether officials should be looking in Provo for that uh, fella who stole the tarpon out of the Bass Pro a few weeks ago. But this kid is enough trouble as it is. Local media reports that he's been charged with two counts of property damage stemming from the cost of cleaning up his public art displays. It's unclear what penalties he might face, but his case has been referred to juvenile justice and youth services. If he ends up in juvie, at least he'll have more Instagram followers than anyone else in the place. Or maybe he'll find out what fresh fish means on the inside. Yeah, you all watch Shawshank Redemption. Don't judge me. I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. This week... We've got bait, green energy, bad bills, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was spent on mental health. The kind that comes from cleaning the garage and processing meat. Got a nice little hike in, too. 
He even made ravioli from scratch with the good Dr. Randall Williams. In my concoction, I used pulled goose legs, morels, carrots, a little parsley, I think, a little salt, of course. Got it all like individually cooked, and then I threw it in the food processor and mixed it up, so it's not mush. It's what I would call probably the finest ravioli filling that has ever graced the inside of a pasta pocket. Yeah, go ahead, challenge me on that. I want to remind you of a couple of things. One, Pheasant Fest is coming up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota this year. Yes, Snort is coming along with Musky Chat and Meat Eater's Mr. Fix-It, Chili. There are only 100 or so tickets left to the first ever concert for conservation. The truly awesome folks at Trampled by Turtles are going to melt faces in the name of Habitat. I'll be there, and you should too. On the YouTube channel, my buddy Fritz, a.k.a. Old Time Hockey, joins me on the hard water of Lake Cascade for Jumbo Perch. Check in on that. If you don't know Old Time Hockey, trust me, you want to. Montana BHA is raffling off Montana Statewide Mule Deer Tag. Usually this tag is auctioned off to one wealthy person willing to part with $40,000. This year, however, Montana BHA thinks everyone should at least have a chance at getting their name in the hat for this statewide, any unit, any open season, public wildlife. So get on the Google and look for Montana BHA mule deer tag. We need folks to participate in this or else it's just going to go back to another auction for the fancy folks. And lastly... Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous will be in Minneapolis this year. Tickets will be going on sale shortly. We have a ton of great speakers lined up, a bunch of meat-eater personalities, things to learn, do, buy, eat, make, and most importantly, easy ways to get involved in protecting and enhancing the things we love, like public lands, water, wildlife, and access to those things. So check it out. Be on the lookout. Moving on to the Deer Desk. Do wolves make it more difficult to hunt deer over bait? This is the question researchers from the University of Minnesota set out to answer, and they published their findings in a recent article in Ecology and Evolution. Their conclusions may surprise you. Deer hunters love to complain about wolves, and with good reason. Wolves prey on deer, which reduces deer numbers and makes deer more vigilant. But in areas that allow deer baiting, wolves add yet another wrinkle. According to this theory, wolves scare deer away from bait piles and makes the strategy less effective than it would otherwise be. This study suggests that it doesn't alter deer behavior as much as you might expect. The team set up 15 bait sites in Michigan's Upper Peninsula and 15 in Michigan's Lower Peninsula. For those unfamiliar with the Mitten State ecology, the UP has established wolf populations and the LP doesn't. The researchers then scented five sites on each peninsula with wolf urine, five with lemon juice, and five with water. You would expect the deer in the UP to alter their behavior when they smelled the wolves in the area and avoid those bait sites. In reality, while these deer tended to avoid bait sites more in the evenings, wolf scent had little effect on number of visits, group vigilance, or group size. Researchers admit that these deer may have reacted differently to signs of immediate wolf presence, such as wolf howling but wolf scent by itself had minimal impact on deer behavior. However, that's not the end of the study. Wolves do alter deer behavior at bait sites, but only when combined with dense vegetation. In all their study sites, no matter the scent used, deer in the UP were more vigilant when the bait pile was in an area of dense vegetation. Researchers measured vigilance by how often deer picked up their heads to look around. 
Deer vigilance intensity increased by 1.3 times for each unit increase in vegetation cover in the UP, but not in the LP. Researchers believe this is the case because vegetation gives wolves a place to hide and impedes escape routes. It isn't often that a study in a peer-reviewed journal offers hunting advice, but that's exactly what this study does. The authors recommend that if you're baiting deer in an area that also contains wolves, put your feeder or food plot in an open area. This will keep the deer more relaxed and reduce the chances that they'll spook and run away. It might make approaching the bait site and staying concealed more difficult for you, but it'll pay off in the long run. Moving on to the public lands desk. The Biden administration is making good on its promise to expand clean energy production by opening over 22 million acres of BLM land to solar development. The agency's new Western Solar Plan lays out options for building new projects on BLM land in 11 Western states. It all gets a bit technical, but the agency says it will prioritize building new solar farms on BLM lands within 10 miles of existing and or planned transmission lines greater than 100 kilovolts. They say they'll exclude some areas such as big game migration corridors and big game winter ranges. But as Eli Fournier points out in an article at TheMeatEater.com, the plan is light on the details when it comes to how these solar farms will impact wildlife. To determine which lands are eligible for exclusion, the plan advises that projects must be in line with more localized BLM resource management plans, but those plans are themselves vague. For example, the resource management plan for Rollins, Wyoming, does not prohibit surface disturbing and disruptive activities within big game crucial winter range. Instead, it advises managers to, quote, reduce the amount of human presence and activity during the winter months. In that area of Wyoming, at least, a solar farm could be permitted as long as it is not constructed during winter months. Of course, it's easy to cherry-pick areas no one wants to see a solar farm and claim those could be open to development. The reality is that, according to the BLM, only about 3% of the total 22 million total acres are likely to see any kind of solar development. That equals nearly 700,000 acres, but we can hope these projects will be in areas that aren't crucial to wildlife or enjoyed for their hunting and fishing. Also, as I've often pointed out on this podcast, BLM lands are supposed to be working lands. They facilitate oil extraction, cattle grazing, outfitting services, and electricity generation. Why should we exclude solar energy development, especially if it might give us enough electricity to remove other kinds of industries from the landscape? Uh, one of those, right, would be like a giant energy-producing dam that blocks salmon and steelhead migration. Uh, it's a fair question, but hunters are still understandably nervous. Solar farms are what a homeowner's association might call an eyesore, and it's tough to glass up mule deer if they're hiding under solar panels, which I can't imagine they'd do. Meat Eaters Brody Henderson also noted that the construction, road building, and increased vehicle and human activity needed to build a solar farm isn't so different from fossil fuel extraction. He wondered how the agency squares those projects with their pledge to protect more wildlife habitat. If you want to know what I think, I'll tell you right now. I don't want to see any public land. Zero percent of public land chewed up for energy development. If it disturbs a sage-grouse lek, the lesser prairie chicken, mule deer, antelope, I do not like it and I do not want to see it happen. Now, this 700,000 acres, if that is true, 
I'm sure there's some areas that are right next to power lines or previously developed chunks of BLM that had been mines or logger landing areas or something that's just beat to tarnation. If you can explain that to me, show it to me on a map, show me the lack of ecological benefit to our existing ecosystems, then, you know, maybe we got something to play with. But if you can't do that, chances are we are swapping out a sensitive ecosystem for solar production that is just going to be a drop in the bucket compared to other things that we could do. One of those things that we could do, ladies and gentlemen, is be more responsible users, right? That means using less or using less during peak hours. That's something that you can affect on your own. So as you know, I love public lands. I'm very defensive of public lands. I just don't think that we have any current solutions. I think we have current band-aid and political fixes as we're, you know, coming up to uh, an election year. What do you think of that? Write in. Let me know. A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeatEater.com. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash cal policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions o'reilly auto parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road o'reilly auto parts offer friendly helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs if you're confused about what part you need like what wipers are going to be the best what replacement headlights are going to be the best go into o'reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called The Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit 
you match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Moving on to the shotgun desk. Should hunters be banned from using plastic shotgun wads? The California Fish and Game Commission might be open to the idea. The Commission's Wildlife Resources Committee heard a presentation at a meeting in January from an outfit called the Surf Rider Foundation. The Surf Rider Foundation is an environmental group focused on plastic reduction, oceans, and beaches. They've been combing California beaches looking for shotgun wads, and their global shotgun wad watcher claims to have found over 100,000 wads worldwide. The Surf Rider Foundation claims that, like other single-use plastics that end up in the ocean, shotgun wads pollute the environment and contribute to the growing population of plastic in our drinking water. For those unfamiliar with scattergun ammunition, a shotgun wad is a plastic cup that holds the BBs in a shotgun shell. When the primer ignites the powder, both the primer and the powder behind the shotgun wad, the wad keeps the shot together as it's expelled from the shotgun shell into the barrel And then that wad continues to travel out, propelled by the force of the gas, expanding. And then eventually, as that wad leaves the barrel, it has these little flower petals on it that kind of expand out, catching the wind, separating cleanly from your pellets. And then your pellets fly out and plaster just the head and neck region of that big old cock rooster you've been chasing. And then Snort goes and retrieves it. Anyway. The Surfrider Foundation's presentation was about what you'd expect. Lots of pictures of people holding shotgun wads next to the ocean and piles of shotgun wads on beaches, but the text of the report they submitted to the committee is more nuanced. They admit, for example, that a ban on plastic shotgun wads would be, quote, received negatively from the shotgun community. They also admit that little data exists on exactly how much shotgun wads contribute to plastic pollution overall. In fact, they said wads are a relatively small problem compared to other single-use plastics, and they're right. Shotgun wads are not on the top 10 list of plastic items found on beaches, according to the Ocean Conservancy. For these reasons, they actually recommend that shotgun wads not be banned outright. Instead, they want the California government to incentivize the creation of alternative biodegradable wad material and then recruit messengers within the hunting community to push for their adoption. In some ways, it's encouraging. Instead of forcing change on hunters using force, as they've done with lead ammo bans, they're hoping hunters will voluntarily opt for more environmentally friendly options. But that's where the problem lies. Wads used to be made with materials woven from plant fiber, but plastic wads are cheaper to make and more effective. There is only one U.S.-based company developing biodegradable shotgun wads, an outfit called Green Ops Ammo, but they have yet to bring a product to market. It's tough to convince bird hunters to switch to biodegradable materials when those products don't even exist. 
And here's the deal, friends. Like, I know from various talks with shotgun shell manufacturers that they have existed in the past. They do exist. But they kind of throw it back on the purchasers, suggesting that data indicates that American hunters would not be willing to switch. The Surfrider Foundation polled hunters who told them that if the shotgun shells were inexpensive and effective, they'd consider switching to biodegradable wad material, but they won't do it if they're forced into it or if the products aren't up to par. Sebastian Garcia testified at the hearing, and he told Meat Eater that a forced ban would kill waterfowl hunting in the state. He said that California hunters aren't opposed to eventually using biodegradable wads, and that's probably the direction we need to be moving. But right now, it's a bad idea. People won't be getting out to hunt. That's less hunting licenses bought and less duck stamps purchased. I'll tell you right now, biodegradable wads. Make them yesterday, I'll buy them today. This is definitely something the hunting community should pursue, if not demand. I've hung out with a lot of firearms manufacturers, a lot of uh, firearm ammunition manufacturers, and I cannot tell you how smart these people are. If they put their brains to it, they'd make this stuff. I'd love to see it happen. Moving on to the weird accidents desk. A 38-year-old British man on a cycling trip across Europe fell off a cliff, and after eating what his family believes were bad mushrooms, Stephen Harper had decided to cycle all the way from Scotland to India, and he'd made a stop in the coastal Italian city of Ventimiglia, I think it's called. Arrivederci. 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 In his final message to his family, he said he'd been foraging for mushrooms and wasn't feeling well. That was all the way back in November when his family didn't hear from him. His brother launched a campaign to find his missing sibling. The brother eventually learned that Harper had fallen to his death, but he couldn't be identified by local authorities because his ID had been stolen. Nearby workmen had seen Harper fall and had rushed to his aid, and an EMS helicopter was dispatched to the area, but Harper had already died of internal injuries. Harper's brother says they're still waiting on the toxicology report, but they believe he became disoriented after eating the mushrooms. He fell off the cliff along with all of his belongings, which could indicate the fall wasn't intentional. I think the lesson here is obvious. If you're an international spy using a cycling trip as a cover, don't camp anywhere near a cliff. Just kidding. Always positively identify mushrooms before eating, and I'd advise against foraging in a foreign country unless you're with a local who can lead you to the foods that won't kill you, or else, you know, you may be in for a bad trip. In another strange and unusual outdoor accident, a UK woman is asking that her leg be amputated after struggling for years with an infection caught during a fishing trip. 40-year-old Michelle Milton went fishing with her brother in 2019. A portion of the nylon line in her front pocket pierced her right thigh after she slipped on some rocks on the first day of the excursion, according to the New York Post, that is. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, so I read several other accounts of this accident. Some say the fishing line got stuck in her leg after she slipped, which also didn't make a whole lot of sense. Milton herself has called the injury a simple scratch. I'd understand if a hook got caught in her leg, but she seems adamant that the incident involved the fishing line. In any case, the injury caused a serious infection. She went to the hospital after her leg swelled up four days later. She was given antibiotics, but the infection became resistant to the drugs. Now she's undergone 55 surgeries to try to correct the problem. She's endured four skin grafts, 30 washouts, and 21 debridements to remove the damaged tissue and spent most of her time in hospital. Nothing seems to be working, which is why she's asking Doc, just cut it off. Quote, I'm sick of spending my life in hospital. I can't believe a simple scratch has left me like this. Now, anyone who fishes knows that a 
cuts and pokes and skin abrasions are just part of the fishing experience. You can get them from hooks, knives, catfish, barbs, uh, any number of things. It's never a bad idea to have a first aid kit handy. Use clean water, good old regular soap, disinfectant if you have it, antibiotic ointment to patch yourself up. You never know what you're going to encounter and introduce into your specific and special biological system. But if you don't have that stuff, do what Doc Callahan would do. Soap and water. Okay? Soap and water, no matter how bad it hurts. Soap and water. Moving on to the conservation desk. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers announced last week that he has secured federal cash to complete the largest land conservation purchase in Wisconsin history. The 70,000-acre property in northern Wisconsin's Oneida County is known as the Pelican River Forest. It contains 68 miles of streams and 27,000 acres of forested wetlands straddling the divide between the Lake Superior and Mississippi River basins. This story should sound familiar, as we covered back in episode 194. Some lawmakers in Wisconsin wanted to purchase this land from the Conservation Fund and protect it from future development. Logging and recreation would still be permitted on the property, but it wouldn't be used for things like neighborhoods or shopping centers. The deal was set to go through until some lawmakers on the state's finance committee blocked it. They worried that exempting so much land from development might harm the local economy and reduce tax revenue. They successfully blocked the deal from moving forward last year, but the governor just announced he had gone around the legislature by securing federal funding. U.S. Forest Service's Forest Legacy Program will fund the state's share of the easement, about $4 million. The remaining 75% will be paid by the U.S. Forestry Service itself, so no state dollars will be used. The easement guarantees the land will be left in an undeveloped state with public access for hunting, fishing, trapping, and motorized recreation, such as snowmobiles and four-wheelers. If you live in northern Wisconsin and enjoy hunting and fishing in the Pelican River Forest, your kids and grandkids will be able to do the same. I'd say this is a big win for habitat conservation and outdoor recreation. And, my goodness, is it a great opportunity for you to write in to your elected officials and say thank you for getting this done. They like to hear good things, too. Moving on to the bad bill desk. The Washington State Senate is considering a bill that would ban fur and fur products from being sold in the state. Senate Bill 6294 defines fur as any animal skin with hair, fleece, or fur fibers attached, either in its raw or processed state. It defines fur product as any article of clothing that is made of fur, in whole or in part. The bill exempts cowhide, deer skin, goat skin, or sheep skin, as well as the pelt or skin of an animal that is preserved through taxidermy. That might sound like a favor to sportsmen, but the reality is that this bill would crush the trapping industry in Washington. Listener Connor Hankinson, who sent me this bill, also points out that it would impact fly fishing. Many fly lures are made with animal hair, and this bill would, as Connor says, destroy the fly tying and fly fishing in our state. If you live in Washington state, get on the phone with your state rep and tell them to vote no on SB 6294. The New Mexico legislature is considering a raft of bills that would restrict gun ownership in the state. House Bill 129 would impose a 14-day waiting period to purchase a firearm. House Bill 137 would ban the sale of gas-operated semi-automatic firearms. These would include popular models like the AR-15, as well as some shotguns. Current owners would be allowed to keep their rifles, but they would have to register them with the state. Other bills would raise the minimum age to own a firearm, limit legal ammunition magazines, and open up gun companies to lawsuits. If you live in New Mexico and you care about gun rights, this is the year to get involved. Several of these bills failed to pass last legislative session, but the governor has vowed to pass them this year. 
That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L. That's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com. Let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.